Church, we've been in this series on fire. Hey, first of all, look around. The house is getting full. Amen, church. Healthy things grow. You know that? I, uh, I recently started planting a garden. I know. Whoa. <laughs> and it's really cool because we, uh, this isn't even, I wasn't even ready to preach about this. I'll just preach about this anyways. So I built this box garden box. Why? Because I'm too lazy to get on my hands and knees. You know, I'm not that, I'm not that type of green thumb person, okay? So I built this garden box right attached to our deck and I can lean over and take care of my plants. And so before we planted, I was digging and I had some dirt that had a lot of clay in it and it wasn't good dirt. It wasn't good dirt. So I went to this nursery and I went and got five yards, five tons of dirt. My wife's like, no, it's not five tons. I was like, babe, it was five tons. Five tons of dirt. I went and got five tons of dirt. Stuff that wasn't clay. And then what ended up happening is I put good soil. Someone said good soil. I put good soil on top. And then uh, I planted. We planted the, the, the sprouts. And then we put fertilizer around it to help it grow. And we put all the ingredients needed to help this to flourish and to really sprout into what it's called to be. And we can't see the peppers now, but it's growing. And we can't see the lettuce now, but I'm excited to eat later. I just know, and, and here's what I'm getting at, church. With all of the ingredients that go into making a church what it is, when everything's healthy, it just grows. And so thank you, church, for doing your part. It's not just good dirt, the pastor. It's not just a dope worship team, maybe like the fertilizer. No, no, no. It's everyone healthy all together making these plants grow. Amen, church. And so thank you. Thank you for being healthy. Thank you for taking what we've been talking about over the past four weeks and making it real. I'm, ser I'm serious. I look out. I get the privilege of talking with you week in and week out, and I see people growing and catching on fire. Do you all feel it, church? This room feels different. This community feels different. I'm going to say something bold, but by the end of this summer, I want an extra service. Not because I want it, but just because I feel that's what God is doing. Healthy things grow. We need to make some more room. Would you believe that with me today? Can we pray about that? God, bring exactly who you need to be here. Bring the lost here. Bring those who need restored here. Bring those who need healing here. Not for the name of core or not for a, an awesome, dope community, but just so that they can meet you face to face and catch on fire and chase you with the rest of the day all the way up until the day that we are joined with you. Bring exactly who needs to be here. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. We're continuing. This is week four of our series called On Fire. And uh, this is a series very plainly about living a life that is just lit up. Lit up. And I want to jump right into this. Jesus, he gives a followers, he gives his church a warning, and he addresses a lukewarm. Someone say lukewarm. Yeah, we don't like that word, but I'm going to talk about it today. He addresses a lukewarm church. Last week we talked about the community of believers being on fire together. If you remember, we had one light on and it was weak, but when all the lights were on, it was blinding. Amen, church? And so he addresses a lukewarm church. And today I want to talk to us again. 
Look at what he says. Look at what Jesus says through John in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Taking notes, please, I would encourage you, take notes. Bring your Bible to church. When we jump in, the Word's going to transform us. I know your deeds, Jesus says, that you're neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were either one or the other. That's sobering. Oh. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He says spit you out like venom. In other, in other translations. Let me just kind of give you quick Nick Miller thoughts. He would rather us, and I'm going to say something really bold. He would rather us be cold, distant, disassociated than to be lukewarm, half-hearted, complacent, and mediocre. That's what he would rather us be. He says, I wish you were either one or the other, cold or hot. He can't do lukewarm. He can't do it. And a lot of people read this, and maybe some of us will be sitting in these chairs and say, well, I'm doomed. I can't make it. The thing a lot of people take this scripture, they, they take it as, a, as an indictment, as a final statement. Boom, done. If you're lukewarm, you're out. No, no, no. This is actually a call to action for the church. This is a call to action, church, to repent and to set your, to set your faith life on fire. Someone say on fire. That's what this is a call to. Hey, church, wake up. Set your life on fire. Let's go. Don't go halfway in and halfway out. Week one, we talked about all in. Week two, we talked about being on fire behind the scenes and never letting your light go out. It's really easy to close the door and have all the oxygen taken out of the candle. Last week, we talked about community and the power of us all being on fire together. This week, I'm going to talk about how to maintain your fire, and that's only through action. Someone say, take action. So that's only through action. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, this is in James 2 for those taking notes. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, and one of you says to them, and, and church, we love we love this, this part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call us all out. We love this part. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, praying for you, bro. Praying for you. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It is not. It's not the action that declares you to have faith. It's the action that keeps the faith alive. It's the action that keeps the faith alive. Because when I, before I met Jesus, there was no action. I met him and that faith ignited. And now it's the action that follows that fans the fire into flame. Amen, church. And so what this is saying here is instead of saying, hey, if you don't do actions, you're dead and out of the kingdom. No, actually what it's saying is, your faith will literally die if you do not keep serving and keep working. Your fire will go out. Romans 12, I love this scripture. Romans 12, 11, it says, never be lacking in zeal. In other words, keep that fire going. How? Keep your spiritual fervor. How? Serving. Action. Loving. Emptying yourself out for people. That's how you keep it alive. You will find the fullness of life when you are totally empty for others. 
Action, the bottom line for today, if we can take anything from this, action is what keeps the fire alive. Idleness, the state of just stagnant, kills the fire. Action keeps the fire alive. Idleness kills the fire. So every week I've been kind of addressing the church. Western church, man, we got to grow and we got to go through some things. And we need to adjust and change and, and, and follow God in some specific areas. And one thing I constantly see in the church, and this is not, <laughs> this is not talking poorly of the church. This is just something that I see. Church, why is it all about what happens inside? Why is it all about what happens inside here? You want proof? There's cathedrals that are the most decadent, beautiful things. And right outside the walls, there's people hurting. We can make this place as beautiful as possible, but as long as there's still broken people, 12 steps that way, what is this? What is this? Church, why is it all about what happens inside? I got a question for you. Anyone want to take a guess on what's in this box? Huh? Good guess. Crayon, someone said crayons. I like it. What? Crayons, crayons. What else? Blocks. Cool. Puzzle pieces. Warren's toys. <laughs> yes. Let me ask you something. What if I didn't show you what was in this box? never know. I have this car, Warren's car. This is core church. We don't have the heart on it. You see the heart everywhere. <laughs> and there's cars just driving past this box. Can this car ever see what's inside the box? Can this car ever see what's inside the box? So we can be on fire in here, but it never makes any difference to anywhere outside. We can have some really awesome, amazing, dope experiences in here, and that car experiences none of it. In fact, they don't even know what's happening in here. I shook it, so it's probably not a lit candle, but what if people were on fire in here? Does it matter? Does it matter? There could be candles in here. Crayons, that was a good answer. There are actually crayons. <laughs> Good job, Sam. But it, people can't see it. Unless we intentionally open ourselves up and care about what's happening outside. Unless we intentionally open the church and prioritize what is happening outside of our building. Unless we get off of like all of this like, oh, you know, our brand is super cool and dope and that's all we care about and it looks awesome. Amos 5, Amos 5 says, I'm sick of your slogans and your campaigns. When's the last time you sang to me? Here's what he says he wants. I want justice, oceans of it. I want, I want mercy, rivers of it. So we can make this super dope in here. But who cares? We can make this great. And here's the thing. I do believe that the church, just like the temple, it was gold. It was meant to be immaculate. We're supposed to do things excellent here. But when it stops at that door, we have a problem as a church. When it stops right there, that's a problem. And so who cares what's in this box if this car isn't seeing it? 
They drive past Point Hope. You know how many people drive past this road or past this building every day? I think it's upwards of like 40,000 cars past this building every day. They don't see anything happening inside. So church, it's really easy. It's really easy to sit in these chairs and stay still and ignores what happens and ignore what happens on the outside. It's really easy. It's really easy to sit in these chairs and ignore what happens outside our doors. There's too many hurting people, church. There's too many people that do not have much. There's too many people who are sick. There's too many people who are in need. And we sit in here and kumbaya. I love this. This is beautiful. I think we're supposed to meet as a congregation. I think we're, oh, let us never get in the habit of, of, of forgetting to meet, right? This is beautiful. This is supposed to happen. But I think what happens here needs to go out there. Amen, church? It's easy to sit in the, stair, in the chairs and stay still. Church, let's not sit still. Let's take it wherever we go. And so today we're talking about serving. And next week, Emmy's going to be talking. Someone, oh, come on now. Emmy's going to be talking about preaching the gospel. Today I want to talk about taking action and meeting practical needs. So church, is anyone here ready to take action today? Let's take action. Let's take action. Let's take action. There's a lot of need and there's a lot that we need to do. I want to open up the word of God. If you have your Bible, please, please, please go with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Can you, uh, can someone take that off the stage, please? Thank you. Matthew chapter 25. Oh, Jesus gets really real. Well, he always is. <laughs> Matthew 25. This is titled, The Sheeps and the Goats. Someone, someone look to someone next to you and say, don't be a goat. Don't be a goat. Don't be a goat. Don't be a goat. Jason Majok, I heard you laugh. Don't be a goat, Jace. Don't be a goat. Don't be a goat. Mm. We see the action of those who are on fire. Someone say action. We see the actions of those that are on fire, and we see the consequences of those that are lukewarm in this one story. Action. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come. This is Jesus talking. Come. Come. I have it underlined here. He will say to the sheep, the ones who are listening, the ones who are faith-filled, the ones who are declared righteous by the blood of Christ, he will say, come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. The lukewarm, and we're going to jump into this in just a few moments down this, this passage, but the lukewarm are distanced. What's he say? I will spit you out of my mouth. You know what he says to those who are faithful, those who take action, those who are on fire? Come. Those that are on fire are drawn in. Those that are on fire, he wants to come. He wants you to come. And look at how he distinguishes those that he said come. He said, these sheep, come, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. There's action here. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Oh my gosh, we don't do this enough as a church. Hey, there's times where, where churches struggle with maybe a, a person who doesn't look like us, sound like us, smell like us, talk like us. We don't like to invite strangers in. Even in the church, even at that door right there. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison. We're going to jump into this soon. I'm praying about it. We need, we need prison ministries. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Action, 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 action. The faith life is followed with action, church. Those who are part of the kingdom, you and I, if you confess and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he died and rose again for you, action is now your nature. For we're part of the kingdom and we are active. We're taking action. We feed, we clothe, we invite. We support, we help those who are sick. We can get real focused on what happens in the doors, but I don't think that's it. Anyone with me? Then the righteous will answer. Let me, let me give you some clarity on, on this statement here. Then the righteous will answer. Righteousness is not earned by anything we can do. So get it, get it really clear that, that their position who they are, the state of being righteous was only acquired through faith in Christ. So you can think, how are you getting to heaven? How is God going to love me? You could never be good enough. You could never be perfect enough. You can never have the right bank account. You can never have the right kindness. You can never serve enough to be declared righteous, for we are imperfect and broken. So righteousness is nothing that you can earn. It is a state that is graciously given by our Savior. So the righteous answered, those who had accepted Jesus, those who were welcomed in by him, they answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? That's an interesting question. There's often this question, what would you do if Jesus were in the room? And that's an interesting statement because I think we would get really, really different when the boss man walks in the room, right? Especially in school. I was a little bit of a hooligan, just not crazy, but like I would do funny things and then teacher walked in, real buttoned up, clean up. My gosh. Being a pastor, everyone kind of like sometimes tiptoes around. I'm like, look, I put my pants on the same way y'all do. Don't clam up around me. So the question is, the question is if Jesus were in the room, if Jesus were in the room, how would you act or how would you live or what would you say? And this is just such an interesting thing that I want to challenge all of us on. Lord, we didn't see you. You weren't physically amongst us. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did, you, uh, when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? Church, you want to know how you know your heart is right? You want to know how your heart is right? Because your heart breaks for what breaks his. 
You know your heart is right when your heart just breaks for what breaks his. Your heart's right when you see the widow and you go and comfort her. Your heart is right when that person is struggling and you go and lift up. You know your heart is right when your heart breaks like Jesus' heart breaks. for me is have I become desensitized to the things around me have I not cared well enough for those who are hurting because I would do it if Jesus were in the room but what if he wasn't there I'd put on a show I would put on a show if Jesus were in the room <laughs> you can have my car when did I see you Jesus Truly, I tell you, whatever you did, whatever you did for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I want to train my heart to break when I see people who are broken. Is anyone with me, church? That's what I want. That's what I want. And so, to kind of conclude the section about the sheep, our service, our action displays our on-fire heart for him. It's not, our faith is not hinged upon our action, but it, it, it sets it aflame. And it brings it to life. And what you did for those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, it ignites your life. Has anyone ever noticed that when you give, it sets something on fire in you? That when, even though it's inconvenient... You sit down across from someone who's broken and you stay up until 2 a.m. and you have a conversation. You pour your life out. You have to go to work at 7 a.m., but you're tired, but it sets you on fire. Our service displays our on-fire heart for him. The story goes on, and this is the not-so-nice news for the goats. Someone say the goats. Don't be a goat. The goat. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. What did we say? Lukewarm. They are distanced. Those who are on fire are brought in. Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Guys, I, you know, I can't, I, I wish I had something more comforting to say. This is the word. I can't, I can't not present this to you. I can't, I can't not present this to you. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison? When did we, when did we see you and did not help you? I don't want to beat up on the goats anymore. Here's what I can learn from this as a sheep. Believers, those who are faith-filled, those who confess Christ as their Lord and Savior, we actively look for people to love. There is a danger in just kind of putting the sunglasses on and just rolling forward. There is a danger in just kind of like, ah, I got my zone, I got my kids, I got my house, I got my job, 9 to 5, and just keep on going on. Take the blinders off. There's so much going on. And so they even had, here's the thing that's interesting about that statement. It doesn't say they never did anything good. They probably did good things all their life. 
But they didn't, they didn't, ah, man, they missed it. They missed something. They probably had kind moments. But it's about taking action. They probably intended well. I'll pray for you. They probably intended well. But believers, we actively look for people to love and help. We actively look for people to love and help. He will, try, he will reply, uh, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. We see the actions of those who are on fire, and we see the consequences of that which is lukewarm. Those who are on fire inherit eternal life. The lukewarm see the eternal consequence. Please, please get it right that you, <laughs> this, this state in life is not based off of you being good enough. Again, remember that the state of being righteous makes you right with God. And then from that right standing, from that grace, that grace empowers you to go and do and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you were to confess Jesus, action and faith are partnered perfectly. I, I, I said it like this, and this is just the word of God. Faith and action, they cannot be separated. If Jesus is in your heart and the Spirit is, is with you, within you, that cannot be separated. Action has to be a part of you. We cannot sit with the blinders anymore. The two together, they create a life that is on fire. Look at this. Again, we're going to James 2. What good is it, my brothers? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? This is that Matthew 25 correlation. You can say all the nice things about, oh, God's great, God's wonderful, but you don't do anything. True faith has to be partnered with actions. Has to. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, praying for you, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself. Wait, go back to that. I, I keep poking on the praying for you. Can we just get in the habit of church? Uh, can we get in the habit in church that when someone comes up to us with a need, we just pray immediately and don't wait? Hey, I'll go home and pray for you. What? Lay hands right now. Let's go pray right now. Why would we wait? Let's wage war in the spirit right now. I don't want the enemy to have even one more moment over your life in areas. I'm going to pray right now. Amen, church? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't work it. You can't action it into heaven. It's faith and deeds partnered perfectly together. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. I will show you who I believe in by the way that I live, the way that I talk, the way that I serve, and give my everything for everyone around me. That, that is when you'll see who I truly believe in. You believe that there's one God. Oh, this is crazy. <laughs> you believe there's one God. Good. Even demons believe that, and they shudder. Even the enemy is willing to acknowledge that there's one God. But you know what the enemy and the demons don't do? 
they don't take action for the kingdom. They take action against the kingdom. That's why they're the enemy. Let's take action for the kingdom. Amen, church? I just have a couple thoughts about taking action. Three things, three things to consider when taking action in this context as a church. What can we do personally, individually, but also in a corporate setting, in a community like this? What can we do? And just some, some, some basic thoughts. Action is always partnered with sacrifice. If you want to take action, but you want it to be inconvenient, you totally missed it. Totally missed it. Action is always going to be partnered with sacrifice. It's going to take a lot from you. And that church, we need to get off of this like, ah, bummer. Actually, yes, I get to do that. I get to pour out everything of who I am for you. I get to. Someone say, I get to. Let's use that verbiage, I get to. I get to serve here. I get to love my family. I get to go down to Appalachia. Not I have to. I get to. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's the ultimate example of what it looks like to love and put action behind his love. It was sacrificial. Dude, he put down his life. I like my life. Well, if I want to put it down, here's the model right here. His name's Christ. That's the model. While we were still sinners, that implies while we were still broken and messed up, it's really easy to give to someone who's good. It's harder to give to someone who's broken. It's harder to give to someone who's hurt you. And so, again, here's the picture of Jesus, but look at what Jesus says to us in John 15. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love. So again, if you would call yourself a faithful believer, someone who believes that Christ died and rose again, then action is going to be our nature, and that would mean that we might have to sacrifice everything for those who are hurting. Anyone want to be with me on that? I'm all in on that. Church, we're young. I think it's been like a year and a half that we've been doing church now. I am looking, and I'm, I'm going to be meeting with people here shortly about what organizations we can partner with. And something that I'm very intentional about is, uh, yes, I want to be able to financially provide for these nonprofit organizations, but I also want to find organizations that we can have a hands-on effect and impact with. I think it's really easy for Western Church to just throw money at a problem, but that still kind of keeps the blinders on. find some of these organizations that are doing amazing things, something like an A21 organization where they're going and helping people who are within the sex slave industry. What if we partner like hands on? It's really easy. It's really easy for church to just throw money. No, no, no. I'm not really interested in that. That's why I love our Appalachian missions trip because what happens is, again, we can sit here and say, money, yeah, go fix your roof. No, we actually go and take our hammers and our nails and our screw guns and everything, <laughs> contracting a little bit, and we actually go on a roof and do it for them. That's the point. It's really easy to throw money at something. I want to go actually hands-on hands and make a difference. I want to lay down my life 
I'm not saying throwing finances at it is bad. No, that's a beautiful thing. And if actually, truthfully, if that's your gifting, some people have the gift of giving. If that's your gifting, that's beautiful. Keep operating in that gift. But I just want to be hands-on too. I want to be hands-on too. I don't want to hide behind a closed door and street and everyone looks at our church and says, oh, that looks kind of cool, I guess. Second thing about serving and taking action. Seek the truth so that you can serve and love correctly. There's a lot of people who are in need. And uh, let me just, like, speak very transparent. Nick Miller doesn't have an infinite amount of expendable resource. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I want to make sure that the way that I serve, the way that I give, is powerful and fruitful. Jesus lived this too. And I'll, I'll give you the story about him. There was a guy who was a rich young ruler. I talk about this all the time. Rich young ruler. Jesus wanted to serve him. He said, hey, I, I want to become in the kingdom of God. Jesus started talking to him about the kingdom of God and how to inherit it. The dude didn't want to put up his end of the bargain. And so did Jesus coddle him and walk the rest of his days with this rich young ruler? No. He moved on. And he saw this opportunity to reach this young man won't be fruitful. He's made his decision. And I think that even in the same way that we serve, we need to find the truth so that we can serve and love to our greatest capacity. Again, that's why I'm talking with organizations so that way I can get a feel of who they are and what they're about and what they're practically doing. Again, it's real easy to throw money, but is it, is it producing something? Jesus addresses us and, and before we jump into it, he's talk, I, I want to mostly highlight this, that when we take the speck out of our own eye, we begin to see life clearly. We be able to, we're able to see life in a more true sense. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. In other words, if we can get the stuff out of our own mind, we can have pure thoughts. We can, we can make sure that we're seeing things correctly and able to discern and judge. We can go and remove things from others. It says, do not, give to, do not give to dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So just so you know about the Appalachia trip. Uh, Appalachia is a mission trip, hands on. We go and rebuild roofs. It's awesome. And it's, it was a town struck by flood. Many of these people don't have money at all to resource and actually fix a hole in their house. But there's this thing that we do that no one else really sees. It's called the pre-trip. I wish it was like there was a cooler name for it, but it's just simple. It's a pre-trip. And what a small group of people do is they go down and they meet with 50 or so applicants. <laughs> and they go and say, hey, is this, is this service opportunity going to be safe, fruitful, and is it going to bless these people? There's some people who request help that actually don't need help. They're being idle. There's some people that we go down and they're addicted to drugs. And it's a not safe situation for our crew. And so unfortunately, we have to say no to a lot of people. But that is so that we can say yes and it be a kingdom move of God for those that we can serve. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
And so when we say, here's the thing, when we say yes to 50 things, we actually are in turn saying no to 49 of them and doing yes for one. And so we just want to make sure that when we are throwing pearls, that it doesn't go to pigs, but it goes to something that is fruitful and gross. Does that make sense, church? Let us have some discernment in the way that we can serve and love. Let us have discernment in the way that we can serve and love. Last thing I want to say, sometimes we don't know what we're passionate about. you got to tell your heart what to be passionate about. I don't know where I want to serve or I'm not seeing things that I need to care about. You have to tell your heart what to be passionate about. You want to know the greatest way you can tell your heart what to care about? Oh, here's the pastor talking about money again. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to start telling your, your heart to be passionate about people and loving people? Why not giving the most precious thing of yourself? And watch what happens to your heart. This is a, a, a really interesting analogy. When you jump in and, and you start donating to something like uh, Compassion Children or like Compassion International, children who don't have basic needs across the world, when you start donating to that, you know, you don't really know much about it. If y'all see where I'm going. You don't really know much about what the kids are going through, but then you start donating, and then your eyes become open to the real situation that these children have and are experiencing. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, they really don't have water. Oh my gosh, they really aren't educated. They have no way of finding a job. And your eyes start to get open to what's really happening. All because you chose to give. And then your heart becomes passionate. You're like, hey, we have to do something about these other places. Hey, we have to start taking action on these other things. But your basic understanding was in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, your heart takes off. Y'all get what I'm talking about? You can literally tell your heart what to be passionate about with where you give. And then not only this, but I love this prayer from, from the psalmist. He says, create in me a pure heart. Give me the right heart. Tell me what to be passionate about. Oh, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It goes on. Psalm 19 says it like this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Make my heart passionate about what it needs to be passionate for. Break my heart for what breaks yours. I'm going to tell it to break for that injustice. I'm going to tell it to break for that hurt. I'm going to tell it to break for that brokenness. May be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. we got to tell our heart what to be passionate about and how it can serve. <sighs> Core Church, I, I don't want our church to just be that shoebox and nobody, nobody ever sees what's inside. Can we not contain or keep the lid any longer on what is happening here, but can we open it and go serve people? As your pastor, I'm going to go and look into all of these things. I want to go and talk with people, meet with organizations so that we can start partnering up with stuff and start taking action. Yeah, we're doing Appalachia. If you aren't going on this missions trip, what are y'all doing? Go on this missions trip. It's incredible. It's amazing. Talk to Rich and Lisa in the back, or we actually have a form up front, missions group. You can come, fill out that form, come Come give it to me, and I'll talk with you. We're also partnering with this thing called the Wind Network, and it's local pastors in the East Pittsburgh area that are starting this movement of saying, hey, church has forever too long. We've been competing against each other, and that's a problem. 
And so this win, this win network is a beautiful display of churches coming together and helping young church plants like us, like we needed. And they're going and helping people get started because there are 50,000 people just in Monroeville alone. And we can't reach every single one of them. We need more churches. Amen, church? So we're going to be a part of that. And when you give, we're starting out with a particular amount right now, but when you give, we go to championing the local church. In fact, we just helped someone buy a sound system so that they can preach the word. That's what you did. That's what you did. And the word's being preached here, but just so you know, your sacrifice is helping the word being preached across the road. That's what y'all did. I want to be a part of that. It's not about what happens here. Church competition needs to end. It does. Let's go be hands-on and let's make a difference. And let's get out of this box. Amen, church? Hey, action keeps the fire alive. Idleness, idleness kills the fire. Let's be a church of action. When there's someone breaking, when there's someone hurting. Goes, break my heart for what breaks your Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. Heal my heart and make it clean. This is a good prayer. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. breaks yours. That's all we want. We're not going to sit back in our box anymore. We are a church that is on fire and that lid cannot contain, that door cannot contain what is happening within the walls of this community. And so God, we are committing to you that whatever it takes, someone say whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we're going to take action and we're going to go and give to those who are broken and those who are in need. We're not going to sit behind our door. We're not going to stay in our comfy seat, row three in the same spot that we've been here since the day we got here. We're going to go out. And so, God, that is a real prayer. Break our heart for what breaks yours. And in response, everything that we are for your kingdom's cause. That's it. That's it. That's all we want. That's actually all you want. Mm. With heads bowed. Eyes closed. Believers, if you can be praying for those who have not yet made this decision fervently, because this could be a moment that we celebrate for eternity. If you're new or maybe you've been coming around church for a little bit and you might not fully buy into all of this or it's all been confusing, I just want to give you some clarity. The state of mankind is broken because of our choices. It's called sin. And Jesus came, even while we were sinners, to give us hope and a solution. <laughs> to give us hope and a solution. And the crazy thing is, is that there's a God who created the universe that wants to intimately know you. 
And what has happened ever since sin entered the world, there has been a separation between us and our Heavenly Father. There has been a separation between us and that which created us. And Jesus came to bridge the gap to be the way, the only way to the Father. And so he walked up to this hill, allowed himself to be put on a tree, spikes driven in his hands and his feet. He breathed his last breath and was shoved in a borrowed tomb for you. And uh, the crazy thing is the story doesn't end there. See, if Jesus had died in the grave and that was the end of the story, then our hope wouldn't be real. But what Jesus came to do is he said, hey, I rose again so that you may have life, life and more life. So that that sin that once broke you down and trapped you, that sin that once held captive over your heart, that sin has no more grasp. It has no more hold. That chain is broken. And now you can walk with me, not just in this life, but for eternity. If you want an eternal life with this Savior. It's very simple. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is your Lord and Savior, that he died and rose again, and you will be set free. I just feel God's moving. If that's you and you need this Jesus, I want to invite you to do something bold. On the count of three, I want you to, I want you to just raise your hand. And it's not in raising your hand that you're saved, but it's an outward way of saying, I am making this decision. I am placing my life in your hands. I am giving you my life. If that's you, one, two, three. No one's looking around. This is the best decision. I can see that. I see that hand already up. Three. Go ahead. Put that hand up. Put that hand I see those hands in the back. That's good. Anyone else need to make this decision? Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You can put your hands down. If that was you and believers, we're going to be praying for those who made that decision. If that was you, just pray this. God, I give you my life. Thank you for dying and rising again to set me free. You saw my sin, and that didn't push you away. It actually brought you here so that you could give all of yourself for me. God, I know that you did this for me. I turn away from my past and I run towards my future with you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Can we lift up a shout of praise?